Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast about the chit that happens every Sunday at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living with Reverend Bonnie Rose. This week, Bonnie interviews special guest Alicia Doyle. She wrote a book entitled Fighting Chance, which is the title of this week's talk. Here's Bonnie Rose. So I'm going to do an introduction for our our wonderful guest today, who I will be interviewing in just a moment. And um, her name is Alicia Doyle. Some of you may know of her. Um, I met her, I think, around 2010, when she was a good news journalist for the VC Star. Uh, I remember texting Alicia when I was visiting North Carolina about one of our animal blessings, and that was in 2011. So I know that that she was... uh, working with us then, and she covered many, many events for us in a very generous fashion. In fact, many of you know that Nipun Mehta, who's up in the choir loft somewhere, he's right there next to the cycle bunny, right? (laughs) Behind Mr. Rogers, he's been a a tremendous influence in our center, and I believe that Alicia was part of making that happen through the wonderful article that she wrote about his visit. Um, So I knew Alicia through text and email, and then I met her in person when we had Dr. Amit Goswami, who's a quantum physicist known for What the Bleep Do We Know, that movie, among other things. He came to speak at our center, and I invited Alicia to join us, and I met her, and she seemed very gentle and kind and very sweet. Not that she isn't, but I was shocked when I found out very recently that she was doing a book signing for her book, Fighting Chance, where she talked about her life as a professional boxer. And I thought, who is this Alicia Doyle? Is she like mild-mannered Clark Kent reporter who suddenly (laughs) rips off the disguise and becomes a boxer? Possibly. (laughs) It turns out that the gentle, good news reporter is also a fierce boxer. And she'll tell you the story. I'll let her tell you the story of how she got there. But I do want to go over some of, some of her credentials before she comes on stage, because she's probably too modest to talk about all of this. She's an award-winning journalist, and she discovered boxing at age 28 in the late 1990s when she went on assignment at a boxing gym for at-risk youth called Kid Gloves. For two years, she worked simultaneously as a newspaper reporter while training and competing as a boxer one of only a few hundred women in America who infiltrated the male-dominated sport. During her boxing career, she won two Golden Gloves championship titles and earned three wins by knockout. (laughs) Yeah. Her pro debut at age 30 in the year 2000 was named the California Female Fight of the Year And her book, Fighting Chance, offers an inside look at what's considered the toughest sport known to man. And I loved her book. I don't follow boxing, but her her book offered me so much spiritual wisdom that I can't recommend it highly enough. So let's give some Ventura love to Alicia as she comes to the stage. recognize the song. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you do. Yeah, so it's so good to see you. In, when we talked, and in your book, you mentioned that you have a metaphysical background, and can you tell us a little bit about what that was? Um, yes, so, I'm, and I credit my metaphysical background to a lot of the things I've accomplished, but when I got into the church, or I should say my mother forced me to go to church, um, the meta- metaphysical church, it's, it was called the Science of Mind, it's in Colorado, it's still there. 
Um, and so she would go to church and she enrolled me into the youth classes and I didn't want to go to those either, but I went because I was 12. <laughs> so um, now, of course, as an adult looking back, I mean, in those classes, you know, we were children's, but we learned a lot of fun things, you know, how to read each other read each other's auras and similar to the teachings here for the youths here but I didn't understand at the time that it was really going to benefit my life in tremendous ways and it's and it's carried its way to me through my journey at this point so ah, that's awesome so that was at mile high in Colorado yes yeah, so yes so that's one of the that's one of the biggest churches in in the movement and and it's so gratifying to hear you say that when we had these kids sitting on the stage because the kids have been you know coming back slowly and and you know we always talk about planting seeds in this church and just think what seeds are planted. They may not even know that these seeds of grace are being planted, but then they go and live a life, become a boxer, become an award-winning journalist, whatever it is they choose to do, but these seeds continue to flourish, right? Absolutely, and, yeah. and I just remember the people I, I grew up around, um, the adults I grew up around, they um, were very youthful adults, I and mean, that's all I knew. Yeah. So, you know, even the minister of the church, um, when I moved forward with the metaphysical church, you know, she was in her 80s, 90s, um, very youthful, so yeah. that really stuck with me, kind of like what was it about these people and their ener energy oh. that made them so youthful. So I carried that on throughout oh, my life, and, and I, I largely thank the metaphysical church for that, absolutely. That's lovely, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I often get called immature, so I appreciate youthful. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> so, so you were working as a, as a journalist, mm -hmm. and, um, and what inspired you to start boxing, of all things? Yes, so that is the, the million-dollar baby question. Um, <laughs> how I found boxing, or shall I say how boxing found me, and I do not believe it was coincidence at all. I was working alone in the newsroom one night. The, the phone rang. I answered it because I was the only one there. Uh, and there, it was a community act activist wanting coverage for a boxing gym called Kid Gloves that was destroyed by El Nino Reigns in the 90s. And... And this gym is for really troubled youth, very emotionally traumatized youth. They really needed this boxing gym uh, as a place to go where they received unconditional love. So uh, that tugged at my heart a bit because before I went on this assignment, I used to view boxing as the dark side. I used to view it as a very violent sport. I didn't understand the beauty of the sport. So that said, um, what piqued my interest about this story was I couldn't understand uh, why this gym was so valuable to these children what it did for them, why and how it made them better people. So, so that really piqued my interest. Um, the first interview I did with the owner of the gym and met a lot of coaches and trainers and other boxers, these are some of the greatest gentlemen I've ever met in my life with the biggest hearts and I, that touched me as well. I'm thinking how could something that I viewed as so dark and so violent be so, so beautiful? There was something about it. So I ended up writing about that gym for about a year and they ended up reopening, but I still had not put on a pair of boxing gloves, not yet. That came later. Uh -huh. So what, what got you to put on a pair of boxing gloves? Yes, so um, I went through a really bad breakup, which I'm sure, sure some people are familiar with. Um, Anybody? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so this boy, he, he, he punched me in the face a couple of times. And, and needless to say, I was pretty angry about that. So um, the next day, I just wanted to hit something as hard as I could over and over again. I was so angry. I was so ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I allowed this to happen to me. Um, so I went to the boxing gym and I took an aerobic boxing class and hit that heavy bag for a, a half an hour, an hour, and all I knew was that I felt better. It, it, I just, in that, in that hour, and it was so, probably because the workout was so bloody hard that I couldn't think about anything else, but that really stuck with me. It was like, okay, if I do this for an hour, I will feel better. So I went back the next day and the next day and the next day. 
And that went on for several months. And before I knew it, I was taking two or three of these classes back to back, six days a week. That's how much anger and rage I had inside. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I was just starting to scratch the surface of, of everything that was inside of me, all the rage that I had carried for so many years. And for whatever reason, I, I do believe the universe brought boxing to me because God knew that it was something that would help heal me. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. You know, and what I, what I love about that story, it's making me a little emotional, is, <laughs> don't you start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, it just, just that, you know, the, the reading that Hugh did was so much about, about opposites and darkness, and, and that we want to make the darkness wrong somehow, or what we perceive as darkness wrong, and, and yet in, in your life circumstances, you were brought to the, to the moving center. You know, we talk about three centers, the, the intellectual, the heart, and the moving center. You were brought to actually reconcile the darkness through your body. I mean, certainly it touched your, the darkness had touched your emotions and your, and your mind, but you reconciled it through the work of your body, which is so beautiful to me, just so beautiful. Well, thank you very much. I never heard it put that way, but that makes perfect sense. Thank you. I never heard it put that way either. It just came <laughs> to me. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's beautiful that you, that you, the, the process and that you can name it in hindsight, that you can name, name what it was. I mean, just think how many lives that, that bless, blesses, you know, and blesses in your book as well. It's wonderful. Yeah. And thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I need to put out there that it, it only took me 20 years to write my book. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why, because I retired um, from fighting in the year 2000 when I was 30 years old, and I was approached at the time by a producer. Hollywood wanted to make a movie, and I, I'll never forget it. They said, you know, we would love to do a movie, but we need something written. Uh -huh. Would you like to help us write it? And I said no. And the reason why, because I thought, I, didn't want, I don't want everybody knowing about what happened to me, all the darkness, all the pain, all the things I'm ashamed of and embarrassed of. But then I realized if I was not willing to be vulnerable, then I would not be connected to most to everybody in the in the world. Yes, vulnerability is the one thing we all share. That's why I had to be vulnerable and just let the chips fall where they may. And and I'm very happy that it's been received very well. But yes, you know, in that darkness you're talking about yes. the darkness. Um, my journey in boxing um, it brought it all back up. All yeah. the stuff that I thought I'd gotten rid of boxing brought it all back up and through that journey, and I didn't even discover this until after I retired, um, was that I had to embrace and love my darkness. Yes. I had to love, I call them the heartbreak pieces in my book. Yeah. We all have these heartbreak pieces, um, pieces that we want to really just throw away, but they belong in our puzzle. They're some of the most important pieces we can have in our puzzle because that's what makes us who we are. Yes, that's, I think that's, that's part of the power of um of what we what we teach here, I don't know if I don't know if um, if all metaphysical teachers, uh, churches or centers teach this, and some, I think sometimes we tend to squish the darkness away and pretend it doesn't exist. And I think that um, so much of the power of what what we're teaching here is that you bring the darkness to the light. You know, Brene Brown talks about how shame thrives on secrecy. So everything that we're ashamed of, if it's brought to the light, it can be transformed and transmuted. And the other thing that, that I just love about what you said is, is that you're vulnerable. You're a vulnerable boxer, Alicia, which is awesome. You don't necessarily hear those two words together, but that is a powerful, powerful metaphor for, for everybody. Because your book is not only about boxing, it's about everything. It's about all of us, really. You know, about whatever we're fighting. And we're going to get to that part in a minute. But I want to first hear about how you made the leap from your, you're in your classes, you're punching okay. at a bag. How did you get to punching actual people? Okay. And 
<laughs> and becoming a professional. Yeah, so um, I was in the boxing gym training pretty hard all by myself. I'd often go off on my own because the aerobic boxing uh, classes, um, it, they weren't enough. I wanted more. So I just started to watch the trainers and, and the coaches and the boxers and their exercise regimen, and I started to just mimic it and copy it, and I would do it, I learned, I taught myself how to, how to hit the speed bag, that really cool thing, and all these other um, equipment in the gym. So other coaches from other gyms started to notice, oh. because there weren't a whole lot of women boxing at the time. I think I was one of about 600 at the time who were boxing competitively in, mm -hmm. in the United States, so I stood out in that gym. There weren't a whole lot of girls there, um, and that's when a gentleman named Stan Ward, um, who sadly passed away, went to heaven during COVID, um, he approached me and said, have you ever thought about uh, boxing competitively? And I said, well, I've, I have entertained the idea, but nobody will take me seriously because I'm a girl. Oh. And that's when he was telling me that it would, women's boxing was getting huge, that I could be a part of something really big. Um, women were, we're, we are still fighting for equality in the sport. Women are not paid as much as the men. There's um, things we're still working on, but he thought that I would be a good uh, role model in the sport as a female. And so I took him on and um, I started doing it and started training at some of the hardest boxing gyms in Southern California. And, and that's really how it started. So what was it like the first time you had to actually do a competitive boxing match with a person? It's terrifying. It's, I can imagine. <laughs> and was then, she bigger than you? No, she was a teenager. Oh. <laughs> and, and this is because I started boxing at 28 years old. That's considered late for athletics, okay? Um, and what's, what's fantastic about boxing is there's no, really no age discrimination. You have people, men, competing in their 50s. So um, my first match was against a woman named Layla McCarter, who is st still in my life today. She's a wonderful woman. Um, I want to say she was 16. <laughs> And this is another thing I learned um, that day was never underestimate your opponent <laughs> because I was training hard. I had dropped all this weight. I was really yoked and ripped, and she, was, she wasn't as ripped up as me. So I just assumed she wasn't going to win, that she hadn't <laughs> been training. Um, you know, and she, she, showed, she showed up late that day. I didn't even think I was going to fight until she walked in late, and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to fight today. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, and it's all in the book. Um, I remember every fight like it was yesterday, so yeah. I take the reader into every single fight. That match was, it was supposed to be an exhibition, which really means, like, it's not a real fight. This was a real fight. <laughs> um, I found out, like, right before I stepped in the ring that she was a kickboxing champ. Great. <laughs> so um, uh, I got a standing eight in the first round, and if you don't know what that is, um, if you're a little familiar with boxing, um, when they stop the fight, because one boxer is in danger of getting knocked out or killed, they're going to give him a standing eight. And you were the one who's getting killed? I was the one, yeah. They, they stopped the clear, fight. Okay. They stopped <laughs> the fight because my coach could tell I couldn't handle it, and they sent Layla back to her corner. I got the standing eight count, and in those eight seconds, I had to decide if I wanted to go on or if I wanted to walk out, and I wanted to leave. I wanted to walk out and go home and cry, but every, you know, all these people were watching me, and people from rival gyms were watching and wanting to get me beat up, and my pride took over in that moment. I stayed, and um, I finished the round. I finished all three rounds. She kicked my butt in all three rounds, uh, <laughs> but it was a fantastic lesson and a fantastic fight, and... Um, She's an eight-time world champion today, this oh, woman, Layla. Wow. So. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, when we talked on the phone, and, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between winning and losing. This wasn't on your list, but when we talked on the phone, you talked about how 
what it feels like to lose and what it feels like to win. Can you, can you say a little bit about that to us? Oh, sure. Well, feeling, winning a, a, a boxing match, there's nothing like it in the world. It's the most exhilarating feeling in the world um, that I have felt in my life at this point. Um, but I took my losses very hard. I did not win every fight. Um, and I had to explore why I took them so hard as well, and that's in my book, too. Um, I would find a room on site and be alone and would sob my eyes out. Even though I would go through all the rounds and be in the fight and finish the fight, I just did that. I couldn't appreciate that for myself. A lot of the praise came from my, my opponents and these women and all my coaches, you know, who were constantly telling me, look, you got in there, you're a winner because you showed up. I didn't understand what that meant at the time. Now I get it. You know, if you just show up for things... You know, you, you are a winner, and there's really no such thing as winning and losing anyway. Right. You know, I had to discover that, and right. I explore that in my book as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's such a, such a great metaphor for, for us, because I think probably all of us here have felt like we've lost at something, and, and how, how personal that feels, and how shameful it feels, and, and yet it's so much more. And to hear a, a strong woman who goes into a fighting ring on purpose with, <laughs> you know, a chance of getting beat up and to, and to know that, that it affected you so deeply too, you know? And, and, the, and again, the reconciliation of that is understanding that it's all, it's all grist for the mill of becoming that, you know, we, we often quote Shakespeare here because I'm married to a Shakespearean actor and, you know, the, the uses of adversity are sweet. And, and like, so what did you learn from losing? Like, what did you, what did you learn from, from when you were really like on the floor and, and in pain? Uh, was, it, was it what you just said about how you know, everything, all of it, the entire journey, it was all about self-love. Mm -hmm. I had to learn to love myself. That was it. Um, I had to learn to love myself in a loss, mm -hmm. in, in what I perceived as embarrassment. Um, nobody was as hard on me as I was on myself. So the biggest lesson I learned from that journey in boxing was learning to love myself. And that, that comes to, like, why I retired um, it, that my pro fight was really rough, and it, it's in the book. Um, I, I had to sit back and ask myself why I was deliberately putting myself in an arena of pain. I grew up with a lot of pain, it's all in the book, but by choosing to box, I was the one putting myself in, in the arena of pain. So I really had to explore why I was punishing myself beating myself up right. by putting myself in there. And, and that was a hard dismantling of everything, of all of my parts yes. and all of my dark pieces. Yes. And in the end, I had, to, I had to love myself and especially the dark pieces. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel you, yeah. You know, and, and again, what a fantastic metaphor about, okay, so it can seem like there's a, a really buff kickboxing teenage champion that's about to beat you up, right? And yet... <laughs> metaphorically speaking, it can seem like something, some life condition is really buff and much stronger than us and about to beat us up, and yet somehow we're putting ourselves in the ring of pain. And is there a reason that we need to do that? And can there be a little shift in consciousness to either step out of that ring of pain or to be in the ring of pain in a new way, you know? One of the things that you said that I so admired, I've, I've used this, I've, I've plagiarized you like numerous times <laughs> using this, that. but I usually give you credit. Thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I've used it in classes and in, in sermons, I believe, too, is, is the idea that when you go into the boxing ring, you're fighting yourself. You're really fighting yourself. Can you say some more about that? Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that question. This is, it's such a great question. It's a very yeah. deep question. Yeah. Um, I think that at, in, in everything we do, 
Um, anything that feels like it's uh, there's adversary, adversary, like it's there. against us. That we really are only fighting ourselves. It's yeah. it was really um, like I you know I was fighting myself because I was one putting myself there. I had to ask myself, why am I putting myself here? What am I what am I supposed to learn from this? Yeah, you know, and 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 in doing that it was a painful dismantling yeah. of of really looking at, taking a deep hard look at myself. So. I think when we spoke also, you mentioned that you were fighting fear. Is that true? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, oh, yeah. Every, a lot of it, of course, yeah. absolutely. I was fighting afraid. Um, some, some boxers, you know, they have a certain mindset where they're excited to get in there and they're ready and they, they don't have any, a whole lot of fear. They might be nervous. I, I was terrified every time before I got in there. That never went away. So yeah. um, I also understood, though, that that fear, it was all in my head. It, was, it wasn't like tangible, wasn't real, it wasn't real right in front of me. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, just a lot of mindfulness getting in there and being afraid while, while I'm walking in, being afraid while they're counting, you know, <laughs> down for us to fight up to that moment, just knowing, like, this isn't real. This isn't real. It's in my head. Just do your job. That's all you need to do. Just do your best. That's all you need to do. God's got my back. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But it, and and it sounds like you're talking about two fears here. It's like the the fear. I mean, for, for me, it would be the fear of getting you know kicked out of me, but also um, the fear of the fear of failure that you've mentioned oh, before. That that's that that's a horrible fear. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll feel a fear of failure. You know, what is that? Yeah. And I came to the conclusion that there is no such thing as failure. There isn't. And if other people perceive it that way, well, that's their opinion. People are entitled yeah. to have their own opinions. Yeah. Um, but absolutely nothing. I, I don't regret anything I've done. I don't look at anything as, I don't believe in mistakes. I believe that I've made certain choices that had certain consequences. And if I didn't like those consequences, I would make a different choice later. That's your science of mind talking right there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mom. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, it's um, one of the, the things we quote here a lot is that the, the world is a stage and, and, the men and the men and women upon it, I'm paraphrasing, but the men and women upon it are merely players. And what if the world is a boxing ring and we're all, the men and women within the ring are all, are, you know, we're just players, we're just boxers trying to, trying to duke it out with our, with our mirror with the mirror in front of us, you know, the mirror of fear, the mirror of hum potential humiliation, or the mirror of, of wanting to triumph, or whatever mirror we're projecting outwards. You know, that's, that's a, a famous Rumi quote where he talks about how, how God says, I can't give you what you already have. You are, it's like bringing spices to the Orient, but I will give you a mirror so that you can know yourself and you can know your life. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So you, you completed boxing, and you, you were still a journalist, right? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things in your book that I found really interesting was the shift in journalism that you made, mm -hmm. where you started out being a normal reporter, yeah. <laughs> and then you shifted to something else. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit about so, that? Yeah, um, so I was a newspaper journalist for about 20 years. Um, I've worked for the Ventura County Star and some of the biggest uh, publications in Southern California. And um, when I was a young journalist, you know, I... I was very, a very good. I was a great journalist. Um, I was great at being a cutthroat journalist, um, getting all the details that the, my competition couldn't get, and, and um, it, it gave me a lot of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. um, I was good at it. It was fun. I had a lot of power. Um, but then something changed, and uh, it, there was an incident, and it was it's it's in the book. Um, something very specific occurred um, that I just saw myself in this position as a journalist where I, might, I thought that I could do a lot more good. 
um, I believe God gave me the gift to write, and I didn't believe I was using it the way that um, I could have in the best way. Um, I didn't want to cover negative news anymore. I got tired of covering the murders, I, I, you know, these, these heinous crimes, um, showing up on crime scenes. It was just, it didn't make me feel good writing them, and I knew when people read them that they didn't, it didn't make them feel good either. And so um, when I, I went freelance in, freelance in 2000 when I retired from boxing because uh, I only wanted to focus on positive news. I didn't want to be given assignments that I had to do anymore that broke my heart. I only wanted to write about good things and positive people in places mm -hmm. like the center. Thank you. Um, things that I knew that when people read the stories that it would make them feel good. Mm -hmm. So that was my shift. Yeah. As, and as I recall, like, the book, I won't go into the details, but, but there was a, a particularly point of integrity, too, that, that there was a line that you weren't willing to cross right. in terms of invading somebody else's life. And, and when you decided to stop, to not cross that line, to, to maintain your integrity with, with strength and with power, that's when a lot of things shifted for you as well, too, right? Yes, correct. And yeah, yeah I don't want to give any spoilers away in the book, but yeah, that um, <laughs> because I remember it was like yesterday. It was a very specific thing that really, like it was like God held up a mirror to myself, and I saw the ugliness of what I was doing as a journalist, and I thought I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I went freelance, and that was a little scary, yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I also knew that there's more positive news than than bad news. I just knew that for a fact. So I knew I would have an abundance of things to write about, and so it, it worked out well. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm so glad. I'm glad for for our sake. I'm glad it worked out, and I'm also glad for your sake. You know, it was just wonderful. Thank you. Tell us a little bit. We need to close pretty soon. But what's your involvement with the gym now, with kids, kid gloves? Yes. So I am. I'm. I don't box anymore. I I don't want to get hit anymore, so I quit that in, in 2000. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I am a boxing coach for at-risk youth and, um, and young adults and adults at Kid Gloves Boxing, so that's my involvement there. I do personal training, but I also, I'm also a boxing coach. So I'm bringing, I brought it full circle. I'm giving back to the gym that gave so much to me, which I'm really grateful for. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. What's the one thing you want us to know? Is there one thing? Oh, the gosh. most important thing for us to know. That every person, that you're all perfect. Aww. Aww. We're perfect. <laughs> We're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet. And is there anything that we can do to support you? Oh, I'm, I'm just so honored to be here. Um, I was trying really hard not to cry because I don't want to mess up my makeup. But I, this <laughs> is, I, I, I just, um, I'm so amazed that I'm here because I've been, thinking about this and visualizing this and, and now I'm here so this stuff works um, this teaching to come back to this to this church and the teaching that my mother forced me to, to learn <laughs> I, it's one of the greatest gifts she ever gave me so I hope you're watching now mom I love you <laughs> well thank you so much Alicia it's been I, I love you I, I mean I love you, you yeah I love you you're amazing <laughs> thank you and um, I think we all love you and we'll see you, we'll see you back there when the service is over and, and come by say hi to Alicia purchase a book if you like she'll sign it for you and uh, I think we're, we're all set so let's give her some love and then we'll pray thank you so much <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's Holy Chip, a spiritual podcast about the chip that happens every Sunday at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living with Reverend Bonnie Rose. If you like what you hear, come join us in person at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Check us out online at www.venturacsl.org. And so it is.